Hello and welcome to the Rugby Gods podcast. I'm John Keenan. No mai hari mai. Today is August 17th and now let's talk some rugby. Okay, so I didn't do a Friday podcast uh, just because there was so much confusion going on um, regarding Super Rugby Aotearoa and then I got busy with uh, like life or work life as such. So yeah, uh, took a, it was a little bit confusing. Um, the messaging was sort of up in the air. Uh, the call was supposed to be made, I think, earlier in the day, and then it was sort of put off and delayed uh, New Zealand time, uh, which made it later and later. Uh, eventually, I sort of just gave up on it, um, and then, you know, by the night time, it had been confirmed that, uh, you know, the Crusaders, or Blues v Crusaders game was completely cancelled, and that the uh, Highlanders v Hurricanes game would be played, but it would be played in level 2 conditions. Which, which essentially is like, you know, like a, a closed doors game. So, you know, a bit of a wet ending basically to, you know, round 10 there to the Super Rugby Aotearoa competition. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I didn't really, um, yeah, I just I just didn't provide, uh, you know, anything to, with that because it was just too uncertain. Uh, so let's just go through the games that did get played. There was three of them, obviously, like I just said. Uh, Blues v Crusaders, which was supposed to be the you know the sold out Sunday game, the last hurrah of Super Rugby Aotearoa was cancelled, but the other three games did play. Uh, so let's go through the results there, uh, and I'll give you uh, my margins, what I picked uh, using the Superbrew uh, website as well, or like using that Superbrew competition predictor competition. So the first game was uh, on Friday night, uh, you know Australian time or local time. Uh, it was the Western Force. Uh, at home to the Waratahs. Now again, uh, Western Force, and obviously I guess now, uh, or for a while now, uh, the Rebels, they're not really playing at home. Uh, so this game, I believe, was actually played on the Gold Coast, so like Southeast Queensland. Uh, so, you know, it was the Western Force nominally at home to the Waratahs uh, from the Gold Coast. Uh, and it was 28-8 to the Waratahs. So well done to the Waratahs backing up that uh, very good win from the week before uh, against the Reds uh, and then you know like uh, making pretty easy work of it against the Force as well so pretty pretty impressive resurgence really from the Waratahs after a, a very lackluster uh, you know first part of the double round basically you know through five rounds of the uh, Super Rugby AU competition I believe the Waratahs were in fourth spot now they're, you know, second place, I believe, and, you know, strongly challenging the Brumbies. Of course, the Brumbies did have uh, a bye this week as well, so they do remain top dog by a point, I believe, um, but they do have a game in hand, uh, much like the Crusaders, uh, you know, their situation earlier with uh, Super Rugby Aotearoa. Uh, so yeah, 28-8 uh, to the Waratahs, uh, I guess, away uh, in southeast Queensland, Gold Coast. Uh, second match of the round uh, was the only Super Rugby Aotearoa match, which was uh, the Highlanders at home to the Hurricanes from Dunedin, uh, and it was 38-21 to the Highlanders. So yeah, the Highlanders really brought some pain uh, down south to the Hurricanes. Um, yeah, played behind closed doors, seemed a little bit airy, uh, you know, to basically be in an enclosed stadium of 30,000 or so with uh, basically 100 people in there. Uh, yeah, certainly glad that the competition wasn't played like that for, you know, the entire competition. Would have been pretty sad to have essentially experienced that for the last sort of two or three months. Uh, but, you know, that is what it is. Well done, Highlanders. Um, you'd have to say there was just not a lot riding on that. Um, you know, the Highlanders, they couldn't catch the Hurricanes for third spot. You know, I guess you could say the Hurricanes could or should have maybe been more motivated. Uh, to, you know, to get second spot, but again, you know, I'm not really sure how much motivation that is, and it certainly didn't seem like very much uh, the way they played. Um, you know, obviously with the Crusaders wrapping things up after, you know, nine rounds. Um, yeah, but you know, well done Highlanders. Um, they were celebrating, you know, Aaron Smith having 150 games, uh, of Super Rugby games, that is, uh, and Ash Dixon having 100. So they are the co-captains uh, for 2020. It's quite nice um, that they were both able to bring up, you know, really big milestone games right at the finish of Super Rugby Aotearoa and, you know, do it together or like, you know, in the same match. Uh, so, you know, obviously that sort of internal intrinsic motivation, uh, you know, really paid off for the Highlanders and, uh, you know, they really bossed that game. Well, they certainly dominated the second half of the game. Uh, it was 14-all, I believe, at half time. 
uh, Hurricanes had at least two, if not three, uh, disallowed tries in that match as well. Uh, I wouldn't call that, or I'm, I'm not uh, using that as a, you know, as a big Hurricanes man. I'm not using that as an excuse or anything. Uh, I think it was pretty reasonable um, that uh, those tries were disallowed. Uh, certainly, you know, in most aspects, or for, for most cases, most reasons. And I think you just got to be better, uh, better than that, and you know, able to overcome those kind of setbacks. Uh, so you know, they were certainly well handled because you know, Hurricanes final try actually came in sort of the last ten minutes when the game was uh, thirty-eight fourteen, I believe. It's when they scored their third try uh, to give themselves a little bit of respectability uh, in that final ten minutes. So yeah, very dominant performance from the Highlanders. A little bit surprising, uh, I would say, maybe the yellow card on Adi Sabia. Um, you know, if you think back a week before, uh, the Highlanders were hot on attack, and uh, Christie, the um, Tom Christie, the open side for the Crusaders, it was just an absolute flagrant, uh, you know, professional foul of slowing the ball down uh, inside, you know, Crusaders 22 with the Highlanders hot on attack. Uh, you know, it was an advantage, a penalty advantage for what he did. You know, they, they played through, like, another phase, another couple of sets of hands, and the Highlanders scored. Uh, and then that was the end of the issue, right? It was like, well, you know, Highlanders have go for a ball. They managed to get the ball, even though there was clear professional illegal play, professional foul illegal play going on there. A couple of sets of hands, and the Highlanders score. So, you know, no worries, that's your advantage. But uh, in this Hurricanes, or in this Highlanders-Hurricanes match, you know, not only was a try scored, but then, you know, it was also a penalty try, uh, and, you know, Adi Sabir off with a yellow card. So I just thought that was a little bit of inconsistency from uh, maybe what we saw the week before. And you've got to say, like, uh, had the Highlanders scored that try as they did against the Crusaders a week earlier, but the Crusaders were also reduced to 14 men, I think we would have seen a pretty different, uh, you know, perhaps we would have seen a pretty different final sort of 20-25 minutes uh, of that game last week, uh, you know, where the Crusaders came good and came strong. But anyways, uh, that's a bit of crystal ball gazing, or, you know, what if, could have been, should have been, would have been, whatever, right? Uh, so yeah, well done Highlanders, uh, winning that final one. Uh, like I said, a bit of a wet ending, uh, you know, like one game cancelled and one game behind closed doors, and obviously the game that was played was, you know, you have to say, fairly meaningless. Uh, f you know, I mean, no disrespect to the Highlanders, they're a great win, uh, and obviously they got the opportunity to celebrate, you know, their co-captains reaching, you know, big personal milestones, but, uh, you know, the actual game itself and what was on the line, just not a lot going on there. Um, so on to the last game, which was the uh, second match of the Trans-Tasman doubleheader, if you will, um, the Saturday match from Australia. It was the Reds at home to the Rebels, and they actually were at home uh, in Brisbane, uh, and the Rebels won 19-3, so took care of the Rebels pretty convincingly there. Uh, so well done to the Reds, bouncing back from a you know pretty big, pretty tough uh, loss uh, the week before against the Waratahs, uh, you know to you know really slap down the Rebels who have been pretty enterprising in the last couple of weeks. Especially that's a Rebels team that uh, you know was very effective against the Brumbies uh, a week earlier and managed to you know beat them for the first time in Super Rugby AU, or have them lose a game for the first time in Super Rugby AU last week. So yeah, those were three games and the results. Uh, I'll just quickly go through and say uh, what I did or like what I picked. So uh, unfortunately for me, uh, I picked the Western Force by five against the Waratahs. Now that was sort of like, uh, what would you say, like a default pick that I think I made maybe like a couple of months ago, just so that I would actually have a prediction uh, in the tournament, if you know what I mean. Uh, I didn't actually go back and look at what prediction I'd made, uh, which was silly of me. Uh, obviously, I have to say, obviously I, I would have gone with the Waratahs, not by 20 points uh, as it turned out, uh, but I would have picked the Waratahs for that one, but uh, I basically like kind of auto-picked that one like two months earlier uh, as a home game five-point win, if you know what I mean, to the force. So that made me look pretty stupid, uh, and that was definitely my, my fault, my bad. Uh, obviously, a big reason for not checking up on that was I was sort of constantly trying to find out information about Super Rugby Aotearoa and, you know, would there be crowds in Dunedin? You know, would there be a game in Auckland? Would it be a cancelled game in Auckland? Would it be a closed-door game in Auckland, etc.? So my mind was, you know, completely off of, you know, the force game. 
Uh, so yeah, a bit of egg on my face there. Uh, I picked the force by five, but I, you know, I truly, uh, you know, hand on heart, uh, would not have picked that score had I uh, actually looked up the website and seen that that was what I had. Probably would have picked the, the Waratahs by 10, something like that, as it was, uh, you know, the Waratahs won by 20, which I definitely would not have picked. Uh, second match there was uh, Highlanders. Highlanders 38-21. Uh, I had the Hurricanes to win by 10, uh, and the Highlanders won by 17. So, you know, that was uh, a definitely uh, a poor call from me. Uh, and again, you know, didn't really get the motivation right there. Um, was thinking that perhaps trying to win six games in a row for the Hurricanes and finishing second might be important to them. I'm sure it probably was uh, at some level. But uh, compared to having, like I've just said before, you know, Aaron Smith 150 games, Ash Dixon 100, they're your co-captains for the Highlanders. Um, you know, that was obviously, you know, better, bigger motivation for the Highlanders. Also, because the game was played at level two, which means, you know, closed doors, another protocol there was that the Hurricanes couldn't travel until uh, the day of the match. So they actually weren't allowed to come down on like a Thursday slash Friday. Um, they had to come in on the Saturday morning, play the game earlier in the Saturday afternoon, and then get back on a chartered flight and get out of uh, Dunedin. That's kind of part of the protocols that were established a few months ago uh, if the whole competition had been played under Level 2 rules, uh, coronavirus rules, that is. So, yeah, you know, like, just didn't really factor in, um, you know, the logical uh, parts that I should have there and paid the price. Hurricanes by 10? No, not at all. Highlanders by 17. So another pretty uh, disastrous pick for me there. Uh, third pick was, uh, you know, Reds 19-3 of the Rebels. I picked the Rebel. Uh, sorry, I picked the Reds. Say that again. I picked the Reds by 5 uh, and the Reds won by uh, 16. So, you know, again, I actually got that result. That was the one result I picked, but quite far away from the actual correct margin. Uh, so yeah, just the last thing to do is have a look at the community expectation, i.e. the 55,000 people playing this uh, prediction uh, website uh, competition, if you will. Uh, excuse the AC in the background there, it can be a little bit loud sometimes. Uh, so yeah, 28.8 to the Waratahs, uh, that was a 92% expectation, um, or basically a Waratahs win was a 92% expectation uh, in that match. The actual margin uh, would be much, much more reduced in terms of how many people actually picked that margin. But in terms of a Waratahs win over the force, it was a 92% expectation. So yeah, like I said, egg on the face there for not uh, correcting that one or updating my pick. Uh, Highlanders, 13% expectation uh, of a win there. So massive boil over, uh, you know, 87% piled in on the Hurricanes there. Uh, I guess, you know, having my kind of thinking and maybe not thinking enough about the situation or the change of uh, circumstances leading up to that game and just what it meant for the Highlanders, you know, as a team. So yeah, massive upset there, 13% uh, expectation uh, of that Highlanders win. Uh, and then uh, Reds Rebels, uh, it was a 29% expectation for the Reds to win. Uh, which thankfully for me, I was on that on that upset or on that underdog pick. So yeah, that's pretty much uh, end of part one uh, of this podcast. Having a quick look around those three games that were played. Unfortunately, like we just said, or like I've said, Blues v Crusaders was going to be a sold out match at Eden Park. Uh, it was cancelled. Uh, so yeah, that's the end of part one. I'm going to come back with part two and have a bit of a deep dive into the Super Rugby Aotearoa game that was played. Um, as painful as that might be for me, uh, which was the Highlanders at home to the Hurricanes. Part 2. Highlanders at home to the Hurricanes from Dunedin. So yeah, let's have a bit of a deep dive into this final Super Rugby Aotearoa match. Uh, a little bit of a dead rubber, but again, congratulations to the Highlanders for being, you know, more than efficient and, you know, really, um, you know, celebrating in style uh, the milestones of uh, two of their key players. Uh, Aaron Smith, 150 games and co-captain, and Ash Dixon, uh, hooker and 100 games co-captain. So uh, let's start off, uh, like we said before, if you uh, heard part one, it was 38-21 uh, to the Highlanders. So yeah, a big win there, sizable win. Uh, let's go through some of the match stats first, and then we'll do the player stats, and uh, you know, have a bit of a talk around uh, why this might have happened. 
So uh, just to start off with there, with the tax stats, uh, it was four tries to three. Now that's what it's officially got uh, at Super Rugby, uh, but I believe there was also a penalty try in there as well. So I'm not sure why that doesn't get credited to the tries, uh, but it certainly is there, or there was a penalty try as well. Uh, so it's really five tries to three to the Highlanders. Uh, I guess they scored four from open play, if you will. Uh, if we have a look at the, at the run meters, uh, well, I mean, it was a beautiful day outside, but it was obviously under the roof as well, uh, and it was an afternoon game, so it was just absolutely perfect conditions for rugby. Uh, you know, give, uh, give a couple of New Zealand teams a bone, right, and we'll see what they can do. So um, the Highlanders ran for 661 meters. Uh, the Hurricanes ran for 681. So pretty monstrous run meters there. Um, that's more than 1,300 run meters in total for the game. So, you know, if you watched it, hopefully you were entertained. Uh, you probably were uh, if you were not a Hurricanes supporter like myself. Uh, but, you know, even from the Hurricanes side, um, you know, scored some pretty, pretty impressive long-range long range tries, uh, especially in their first half, and then obviously created opportunities, but, uh, you know, they were ruled out as such during the week, although there was a number of, you know, like, ruled out tries or disallowed tries for the Hurricanes. Uh, and then obviously, you know, Highlanders put together some, some pretty, pretty nice tries as well. Uh, so, you know, like, pretty awesome pretty awesome little bit of run around there, uh, perfect conditions, uh, both teams stepped up uh, in that respect. Um, if we have a look at uh, some of the good pieces of rugby, uh, some of the good attacking pieces of rugby, what were the teams doing with, balls and, with ball in hand? Um, for the Highlanders, we'll start with the home team. Uh, the Highlanders had 40 defenders beaten, 24 clean breaks and 18 offloads, so I mean that's pretty damn impressive, uh, that's a lot of good pieces of rugby right there. Uh, throughout 80 minutes. Uh, conversely, the Hurricanes had 21 defenders beaten, 22 clean breaks, uh, and 11 offloads. So they were also pretty reasonable, uh, came to the party, made it pretty enjoyable, pretty free-flowing. Uh, but, you know, certainly, you know, Highlanders dominating those defenders beaten stats, 40 defenders beaten to 21. That's pretty huge. That's very sizable. Um, clean breaks pretty much even, 24 Highlanders, 22 Hurricanes and then offloads 18 to the Highlanders, 11 to the Hurricanes. So, you know, they really did come full force attack. Um, the Highlanders did a lot of good things with the ball in hand. So, you know, hat tip, kudos to that. Um, let's have a look at sort of the next part, which is sort of more of defense metrics. I like to look at those uh, turnovers conceded, kind of like unforced errors, uh, and then turnovers won, like, you know, doing good things at the breakdown, generally speaking. Uh, so what you want to do is you want to try and get a plus out of those two metrics, if you will, um, or certainly a low negative between your unforced errors and your good pieces of like you know breakdown turnovers one uh, in a match. So let's go through and see uh, what the two teams did. So for the Highlanders, uh, they had they conceded sixteen turnovers, so that's a you know it's a pretty high error rate. Uh, not not crazy high, but certainly high. They want to be a bit lower than that. Uh, they conceded 16 turnovers, and they won 10 turnovers at the Ruck. So that's very impressive work at the Ruck, uh, winning 10 turnovers there. Uh, so that essentially gives you a minus 6 rating uh, between the two metrics uh, for the Highlanders. Try and keep that in mind. Uh, for the Hurricanes, uh, they also conceded 16 turnovers, or you know, unforced errors, uh, but they were only good enough to have one, one turnover. One turnover was one. Uh, at the breakdown or, you know, at the ruck, essentially. So that gave uh, the Hurricanes a minus 15 rating. So, you know, you can see there, uh, you know, Highlanders minus 6, uh, Hurricanes minus 15. It's a, a clear win or a clear um, clear dominance, basically, uh, you know, by the Highlanders, especially at the breakdown. Uh, if we have a look and keep going with uh, tackles and missed tackles, Highlanders made 131 tackles and missed 21. So that's pretty good work, um, you know, pretty much in that sweet spot. Not, not, a, not a small amount of tackling, but not a, not a high amount of tackling over 80 minutes, 131 tackles. It's pretty, pretty good for your game. Uh, and uh, 21 missed tackles, also pretty reasonable. Uh, it's, you know, it's keeping the missed tackle count down, uh, you know, proportionally. Uh, for the Hurricanes, they also made 131 tackles, uh, and they missed 40 
so that's far too many, right? Uh, that's uh, that's a crazy high stat for missed tackles, uh, and obviously you know they were sort of punished accordingly uh, on the scoreboard. Um, but yeah, you know, like uh, some pretty interesting things there, just in terms of how uh, sort of even these teams were, uh, just in terms of you know like run meters, sort of like six hundred and fifty odd each, a little bit more actually per team, but you know essentially six hundred and fifty seven hundred run meters each. Uh, and you know, 131 tackles each. Uh, there's quite a, a number of stats that actually pair up, you know, and you know, you would, would seem to suggest quite a, a few important stats that you would think would seem to suggest uh, a pretty close game. Uh, but you know, as I said, you know, the Hurricanes were just well and truly out of this one. Um, they scored their final try in the last 10 minutes, and you know, they were actually out of it, you know, at 38-14 uh, with 10 minutes to go. So it was a real hiding. Uh, by the Highlanders in the end, uh, even though some of the metrics would say maybe it should have been closer. I guess, again, that's a, a little bit of a tip or a hat tip to the fact that the, the Hurricanes did have opportunities to score more, but were just disallowed, uh, you know, uh, through the refereeing. Uh, and I'm certainly not complaining about that. Uh, so, yeah, that, so that's uh, some attack and defense there. Let's go down and have a look at some uh, set piece and penalties, or like, uh, yeah, set piece and penalties, i.e., uh, you know, discipline, penalties conceded, and yellow cards. So, for a set piece, um, you know, Highlanders had 12 lineouts and no lost lineouts. Hurricanes had 7 lineouts and no lost lineouts, so very efficient at the lineout there from both sides. Um, scrums. Highlanders had nine scrums and no lost scrums. Hurricanes had eight scrums and no lost scrums. So pretty much perfect set piece from both sides there. That's pretty well done. I'm not sure if I've actually seen that in a like a high level match uh, over all of the games that I've uh, over all of the games that I've kind of analysed uh, this year. I'm not sure if I've actually seen like basically both teams be perfect at set piece, i.e. line out and scrum. So you know, well done um, to the Highlanders and the Hurricanes there. And obviously, like I said, you know, it's under the roof on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, there's no spectators, so it's just absolutely, like, perfect conditions, uh, you know. And both teams uh, duly applied uh, that to, you know, what they were doing at the, uh, sorry, at the uh, set piece. Um, in terms of uh, penalties and cards, uh, Highlanders conceded seven penalties for the match. Like, that's pretty impressive. Um, you know, sub-10, uh, pretty good. You know, certainly... Uh, you know, less than one every ten minutes, uh, if you think about it like that. So, yeah, Highlanders conceded seven penalties, Hurricanes conceded eleven, uh, and the Hurricanes also conceded the yellow card to Adi Savia, which doubled as a penalty try, and, you know, really uh, helped to put a nail in the coffin uh, in that first sort of like 10-15 minutes after half time for the, for the Hurricanes. Uh, so yeah, let's uh, finish off with action areas and then have a look at some individuals or like some player stats. So action areas, it's that kind of possession stat that I like to look at. So for this game, uh, starting with the home team, the Highlanders, they had 53% possession. So, you know, it's pretty even, um, you know, even though obviously we know it's a big blowout on the scoreboard. 53% possession for uh, the Highlanders. They only played 8.4% of the game, uh, you know, ball in hand in the Hurricanes 22. So not particularly dominant uh, in, that, in that area. Uh, and then they were very good uh, in their own 22. Uh, they only played 8.8% of the game. That's Highlanders and Hurricanes, ball in hand, in the Highlanders 22. So that's a really good game management there from, um, from the Highlanders. Less than 10% in your own 22, like the whole game. And then, you know, maybe a little bit underdone in terms of 8.4% ball in hand uh, in the Hurricanes 22. But hey, they still scored essentially five tries, right? So wasn't too much of a handicap for them. If we flip it around for the Hurricanes, uh, it's definitely uh, pretty bad reading. Uh, so 47% possession for the Hurricanes, uh, and they only had 3.5% of that ball in hand uh, in the Highlanders 22. So yeah, not really putting a lot of pressure uh, on the Highlanders. Uh, and in fact, if you extrapolate it out, um, you know, uh, Hurricanes ball in hand in the Highlanders half uh, total was only, uh, what is that, 14, it's 15.4%. Uh, so only 15.4% of their possession was actually in the Highlanders half for the entire match. 
So it kind of tells you that this game territorially was completely dominated by the Highlanders and it was pretty damn hard for the Hurricanes to, you know, really be threatening and, uh, you know, put together a lot of meaningful rugby uh, deep into the Highlanders' territory. Uh, and obviously that was evidenced by the fact that, you know, a couple of their tries in the first half were, you know, big breakout, uh, you know, sort of like turnover plays uh, or, you know, like... Uh, what could you say? Yeah, basically loose ball turnover plays, uh, and the the Hurricanes cut the Highlanders up from long range, you know, from sort of 70, 80, 90 meters. So yeah, um, so just you know, getting back onto that. Sorry, a little bit of a tangent. Uh, so yeah, Hurricanes only 3.5 percent of their possession ball in hand, and the Highlanders 22. If we go back to the Hurricanes 22, um, you've got more like uh, what is that? 19 percent. So 19% of the game was played. Uh, that's Hurricanes and Highlanders ball in hand uh, in the Hurricanes 22. So clearly a lot more pressure on uh, in the Highlanders, uh, sorry, in the Hurricanes 22 and the Hurricanes half in general throughout the match. Uh, you know, and that, that told on the scoreboard for sure. Uh, so let's have a look at some player stats, go through uh, run meters for each team, sort of have a look around that run meters and sort of like maybe you know good pieces of attacking rugby and then we'll also have a look at um, like defensive work as well uh, you know tackles and turnovers one uh, so yeah if we start with the Highlanders have a look at the key kind of back three that you probably want to focus on first um, Mitch Hunt had a very good game he ran for 103 meters uh, so you know he scored a try he ran for 103 meters two defenders beaten and three clean breaks so that's uh, pretty good work from Mitch Hunt uh, at fullback. Uh, Josh Mackay ran for 35 metres, uh, three defenders beaten, one clean break. Uh, I think Josh Mackay was off pretty early in this one. I might just quickly check that. Certainly no, Nani Punavai was on pretty quickly. Uh, he was actually, he was on for Nariki uh, in the sixth minute, but Nariki actually came back in the 19th. So yeah, it's a little bit uh, messy there. If we have a look at Punavai's day, Nani Punavai was essentially the you know like the utility slash backup, like back three backup for uh, the Highlanders. He had a, a little bit of a strange day uh, in terms of like coming on again, off again. So yeah, you know Punavai was on at the sixth minute for Nariki. He scored a try in the tenth minute. He was back off again at the nineteenth minute, and then he came back on again in the sixty-second minute. So, you know, like it, it does sort of uh, mix up a few things there uh, when trying to cover the back three uh, for the Highlanders. Um, but yeah, I'll just go back to those player stats. Obviously include Punavai because he's quite important there. So yeah, like we said, you know, Mitch Hunt, a try in 103 metres. Uh, pretty nice work from fullback. Uh, Josh Mackay, uh, 35 metres. Um, three defenders beaten, one clean break. Didn't really do too much in the game. I think he played a full 80 as well. Uh, and then Jonah Nariki, uh, 42 metres, uh, four defenders beaten, one clean break, and a try assist. So, yeah, pretty good work, considering he probably only played about 45, 50 minutes of that match uh, in total. And then, yeah, like I said, uh, Nani Punavai, uh, he scored a try, he ran for 14 metres as well, but didn't do too much else other than scoring that try. So, yeah, uh, Highlanders... Highlanders getting a couple of tries and a try assist out of their back three, uh, back four, if you will, uh, with this with their utility there, uh, Punavai included. Um, but yeah, you know, like not not as big as I would have thought, uh, considering you know, like the, the team in total ran for you know 100, uh, sorry for 650 plus uh, run meters. Was thinking you know perhaps there would have been a couple more players in that back three, uh, running more like Mitch Hunt, running for 100 meters. If we do have a look through, uh, you know, Michael Collins scored a try from centre. Um, Jonah Nariki, a yeah, try assist, like I said before. Josh Iwane, try assist. Uh, Aaron Smith, a try assist as well. Uh, you know, shout out to Josh Iwane again. Uh, you know, 51 run metres from first five from 10. That's pretty good. Four defenders beaten, three clean breaks. And like I said, a try assist. And then uh, nine points off the tee as well. So, you know... Josh Iwane has really come back into this competition the last sort of like, you know, three, four, five weeks of the competition and, you know, really put his hand up as probably being, you know, like pretty much easily, I think, put his hand up or, you know, put his head uh, above everybody else in terms of like who's your number three pick behind, say, Richie Mwanga and Bowden Barrett if you do want to go in with a third 10 for the All Blacks 
uh, in 2020, you know, who do you want to pick? I, I think it's pretty undeniable that it should be uh, Josh Iwane uh, as that sort of like utility cover, can certainly start 10, can, can you know, have him on the bench and or come on cover 10, 12, 15. Uh, you know, I think he's got quite a big future over the next couple of years for the All Blacks um, if he can continue to keep his game at this level. So, you know, well done, Josh Iwane. Uh, in the forwards for the Highlanders, I think you've definitely got to give uh, a shout-out to uh, Makaeli Tu'u. He ran for 98 metres, uh, three clean breaks, two no, sorry, three defenders beating two clean breaks. So he ran for 98 metres, three defenders beating two clean breaks, uh, and two offloads in there as well. Uh, it's pretty impressive work um, from the Highlanders number eight. Uh, so yeah, on to the Hurricanes. Let's have a look at the Hurricanes, see what they were doing. Uh, in response, remember again, they sort of ran for about 650 metres as well. Uh, so Jordy Barrett from the back, he ran for 122 metres. Six defenders beating three clean breaks and three offloads. So again, pretty busy uh, offensively there, Jordy Barrett. Uh, and he kicked six points from the tee. Uh, Vince Asso, he scored a try. He scored the first try, I believe. He scored a try, uh, 82 run metres. One defender beating, five clean breaks and an offload. So, yeah, Vince also pushed out to the wing for this one with, uh, you know, Umanga Jensen in at 12 and Billy Proctor at 13. Pretty interesting pick there from the Hurricanes to, you know, play Umanga Jensen one in and kind of out of position. Play Vince also, you know, one and or even two out on the wing. Again, kind of out of position. And then get Billy Proctor, who it's been pretty hard to argue, I think, deserves a start, really. Um, and especially, you know, at centre. Um, Pretty surprising pick there from the Hurricanes, or pretty surprising uh, like a lineup selection there from the Hurricanes. But uh, you know that that is what they did. Uh, and Peter Omega Jensen, he did score the third try. He ran, he so he scored a try. He ran for 63 meters. Uh, you know, three defenders beaten, five clean breaks, and a try assist. So you know, again, like looking looking pretty dangerous there in the midfield. Peter Omega Jensen definitely putting his hand up uh, for north south uh, inclusion, and we'll see what happens from there. I guess. Um, the other winger uh, for the the other wing for the Hurricanes was Chase Tietier, um, who's really a fullback. But obviously there's a, a number of sort of injuries and suspensions, etc., uh, in the Hurricanes. And uh, so Chase Tietier, he ran for 39 meters, um, one defender beaten, one offload. Didn't really do too much in the game. Certainly not enough uh, for the Hurricanes. Uh, if you have a look at the bench as well, not too much happening for the bench, even though, you know, the Hurricanes did come with Danny Tawala and Salisi Reasi. Didn't get too much out of either of them. Um, who else is in there? Jamie Booth. Jamie Booth, Jamie Booth getting the uh, halfback start. He scored a try. He ran for 91 metres. Uh, two defenders beaten and three clean breaks. So, you know, pretty, pretty impressive again from uh, Jamie Booth. Uh, and one offload in there as well. Uh, so yeah, you know, Jamie Booth certainly putting his hand up, showing that he can start games, like big games, as well as, uh, you know, come on and finish them. But, uh, you know, you would have to say uh, he really is probably the best halfback as a finisher uh, in New Zealand rugby at present. I don't think you would say he's a top three New Zealand halfback. So that will be the interesting conundrum for, say, All Black selection. Do you pick your three best halfbacks, if you know what I mean? Uh, clearly that being Aaron Smith and TJ Perinara and then it's like do you then pick you know like your third best starting halfback i.e. perhaps a Brad Weber or do you actually want your third halfback in the squad to really be a finisher someone who you're definitely not expecting to start uh, for a team but you do want that sort of 10-15 minutes from him and I think if that is what the All Blacks want from say their third nine uh, you know, you would have to be seriously looking at Jamie Booth and possibly even Mitchell Drummond, uh, you know, as as alternatives to, say, Brad Webber, who I think is probably the third-best halfback in New Zealand. But, you know, do you really want a third-best starting halfback or do you want, like, a super sub, sort of, like, you know, like, as your third uh, halfback in a squad? That would be an interesting selection uh, if it needs to be made. Uh, you know, if the All Blacks actually get internationals this year, it could be quite interesting. So yeah, uh, looking through the rest of the forwards, not a lot going on from from the back row, from from the uh, Hurricanes, especially not compared to Makaeli Tu'u 
and has uh, you know basically 100 meters of running. Um, so yeah, let's go on to defense and have a look there. It's about 130 tackles each, so there should be a few tackles made in here. Um, C.O. Tompkinson led it for the Highlanders in the backs. Um, 10 tackles, 2 missed tackles and a turnover. It's pretty reasonable keeping that missed tackle count down, which has been a little bit high from him and some of the Highlanders midfield over the last few weeks. But that's, you know, that's pretty good defensive work there from Tompkinson. Um, you know, Dylan Hunt, 11 tackles and a turnover. Shannon Vizel, uh, 15 tackles, 3 missed tackles and a turnover. So pretty big defensive work there from Frizzell. Uh, Jack Whedon, 11 tackles, 2 missed tackles. Uh, one of the Highlanders locks. Uh, Dan Leonard Brown, uh, one of the props for the Highlanders, uh, 10 tackles and 2 missed tackles. And then Manaki Selby Rickett, uh, 10 tackles from the bench as well. So, you know, tackling farmed around a fair amount there, but I guess, you know, shout out to C.O. Tompkinson uh, for his 10 tackles in the, in the backs, and uh, Shannon Frizzell has 15 tackles and a turnover uh, in the forwards. Have a look at the Hurricanes again, pretty similar, about 130 tackles, pretty much dead equal I think in the match. Um, not a lot going on in the backs have to be said in terms of tackle counts. Uh, Jamie Booth lead it, led it with uh, 13 tackles and 2 missed tackles, that's quite a surprising stat. Um, if you go into, go into the forwards there, Adi Savier, 11 tackles and 2 missed. Uh, Duplessis Karifi, 18 tackles and 3 missed, so I think he led everybody. Uh, Reed Prince had 11 tackles and 2 missed, so not a single turnover won by the back row of the Hurricanes and combined they missed uh, 7 tackles and obviously Adi Savia spent 10 minutes uh, with a yellow card off the field as well. So yeah, you know, like a little bit down, uh, underpowered there you'd have to say. Um, James Blackwell put in, got 16 tackles but he also missed 5, so that error rate's probably a little bit too high really. Um, Tyrell Lomax and Dane Coles, they also put in two, 10 tackles each as well. So yeah, you know, both teams kind of farmed around the tackling. I guess, you know, like I said, shout out to C.O. Tompkinson uh, for the Highlanders' back line. I guess shout out to Jamie Booth as well for making 13 tackles from halfback. Uh, and then, you know, um, who else? Uh, Frizzell was pretty good. I think he led everybody for the Highlanders. Uh, and Duplessis Kariffi led the Hurricanes and the entire game. Uh, with 18, but yeah, only one turnover won by the Hurricanes in the entire match. Uh, that was by Danny Toala, who's essentially a Hurricanes like utility sub. So yeah, pretty shocking performance there at the breakdown uh, by the Hurricanes. And you know, part of the reason why they got punished, I think, on that scoreboard. Um, so yeah, I think that's about enough uh, talk around of what I have to say. As much as I love the Hurricanes, was a little bit of a dead rubber. Uh, and certainly, um, you know, the Hurricanes didn't really front up and, uh, and perform uh, for that match. But, you know, well done Highlanders and congratulations again uh, to Aaron Smith and Ash Dixon for uh, 150 games and 100 games respectively. So, yeah, um, I'm going to come back with a third part to this podcast and it's going to be talking about Super Rugby and Super Rugby 2020. Uh, and, you know, just my thoughts on, like, what the competition structure, you know, could be or should be. Part three. So, just having a look at wrapping up Super Rugby Aotearoa, and obviously having a bit more of a look at Super Rugby AU, and then uh, my thoughts on uh, what Super Rugby should be doing, or, like, hopefully uh, they could be considering uh, for 2021. So yeah, a very evolving pro, uh, you know, situation uh, that's going on there at the moment. It's uh, very contentious uh, between uh, Australia and New Zealand rugby unions at present. Uh, but I'm going to weigh in on that anyway, um, you know, and give my thoughts on what I think should happen. But before that, um, you know, Super Rugby Aotearoa, it's finished. Um, having a look at the official Super Rugby site, uh, it still has the Crusaders Blues as a like to be confirmed match. Still only has them as both having played seven, uh, but I'm pretty sure uh, that's officially been a cancelled match and the, the points were just shared. Essentially it was a cancelled match, two points each, it's considered a draw. Uh, so that being the case, uh, I believe uh, the Blues should have finished with, uh, or if we go through, it should be what I'm seeing in front of me, uh, if you have a look at Super Rugby, uh, the official web, uh, website, 
is uh, Crusaders played seven, won six, won lost thirty points. Blues played seven, uh, won five, lost two, twenty four points. Hurricanes uh, played six, oh, sorry, played eight, won five, lost three, twenty one points. Uh, Highlanders played eight, won three, lost five, fourteen points. And then the Chiefs played eight. Uh, no wins, no draws, eight losses, and five points. So that's what it has at the moment. I'm pretty sure you plus two to the Crusaders for 32 points, uh, plus two to the Blues for 26 points, uh, and, you know, that's it. Uh, pretty happy, really, uh, I think, um, that the Crusaders did win last week and basically put this round 10 to bed because it could have been a pretty tragic and very strange, uh, you know, round 10 had the Crusaders uh, and Blues not actually being able to play off, you know, have a cancelled match up in Auckland. They share the points, two points each. And then, you know, perhaps the Hurricanes still had some crazy mathematical chance of, say, a, a win with a bonus point in Dunedin to, you know, like usurp the title. That would have been really, really unfair and, you know, very, very weird, uh, you know, if, if that sort of situation uh, could have been possible uh, heading into round 10. Um, so yeah, pretty glad that all of those sort of permutations were put to bed. Essentially, the Hurricanes Highlanders just had a, a dead rubber match between three and four, uh, and we were unfortunately not able to see you know one and two again play out. What would have been really just bragging rights, uh, but also would have been you know pretty enjoyable contest. Sadly, we didn't get to see it, um, but it just didn't affect you know it wasn't like the Blues had a, a possibility of an upset win you know to win the title. So, you know, cancel game, fair enough. So that's Super Rugby Aotearoa done. Uh, yeah, pretty pretty sad, sort of like limp finish uh, to the whole thing, you'd have to say, if you're being totally honest. Uh, that's no disrespect on the competition uh, as a whole. It was a fantastic competition. But just unfortunately, you know, the coronavirus uh, or COVID-19, uh, I guess, as it's uh, often called as well, uh, basically had the final say uh, in that round 10 and sort of spoiled the party a little bit. Um, if we look, have a look at Super Rugby AU though, uh, the competition is alive and well, uh, especially with uh, what the Waratahs have been up to the last couple of weeks. So, um, you know, the Brumbies are uh, played 5, 1 4, 1 lost, and 18 points. Uh, the Reds played 6, 1 3, 1 draw, 2 losses, and 16 points. Waratahs played 6, 1 3, lost 3, 15 points. Rebels played six, one three, one draw, lost two, 14 points. Uh, and then the Force played five, uh, no wins, no draws, and five losses. So, you know, pretty much can write the Force off, uh, as I think, you know, most people were before um, the competition anyway. Uh, they were certainly spirited in, like, maybe for two or three weeks in a row there, uh, pretty, pretty close to cracking the code and getting a win. Uh, and even took um, the Rebels, I believe it was, to uh, Golden Point or, you know, extra time, uh, which they, you know, subsequently lost. Uh, so, yeah, but uh, maybe the last week or two has been a little bit, or the last couple of weeks have been a little bit of a reality check um, that the Force are, you know, pretty much a little bit off the pace, right? And I guess that does or will tie in a little bit to my thinking for Super Rugby 2021 um, and the whole idea of having you know, all five Australian teams, all five New Zealand teams, you know, in a competition. Is that really what we should be doing? Maybe, maybe not, but, you know, you'd have to say the force, they're struggling in Super Rugby AU, and I don't think it would get any easier or any more competitive for them uh, playing against, you know, the New Zealand sides as well. But, you know, if we go back up to the top there, I mean, there's only four points between the Brumbies at one with 18 points, uh, and the Rebels at four with 14 points. So there's a lot to play for uh, in that final sort of four rounds. Is it four rounds? Yeah, it's still four rounds left, right? Um, so yeah, um, the Brumbies, you know, 18 points, that's off five games. So they do have a game in hand against the Reds, the Waratahs, and the Rebels. Uh, so, you know, they're two points up, uh, three points up, and four points up respectively, and they have a game in hand. So still pretty well, pretty still pretty well in control, um, but obviously you know a bit of a hiccup uh, the a week ago. Um, 
against the Rebels and then obviously having a week off, a bye week, uh, having to lick their wounds and, and not able to not able to, you know, put a performance or back up and put a performance out there. It's definitely going to, um, you know, obviously it must be um, like grating uh, on Brumbies and Brumbies supporters. But essentially, you know, they had their loss or they had their like shock loss from a couple of weeks ago and then they've set out a bye week, uh, their second bye week. Uh, and now they've got, you know, the chasing pack have all played an extra game and they're still all, you know, two points, three points, four points behind them. So, you know, destiny still very much in, you know, the Brumbies, in the Brumbies' hands in terms of finishing top. But, uh, you know, they are going to have to play pretty well uh, in their final uh, three matches. So, yeah, good for the, good for the tournament. Uh, and I'm definitely going to try my best to follow Super Rugby AU a lot more over the next sort of, you know, uh, three to five weeks as the competition, you know, finishes its rounds. Um, I believe there's still... Everybody's played either six or five, uh, plus a bye. Yeah, so there must be three more rounds left, right? There's seven rounds have been completed. Sorry, getting a little bit lost there. Uh, but, you know, seven rounds have been done. Everybody's played at least one or two buyers, uh, and then five or six games. Uh, and so, yeah, there's three more, uh, like, basically round-robin games, or, like, to finish the double rounds. Uh, and then they're going to have two weeks of finals on top of that. So there's still three to five weeks of that competition left. Definitely going to try my best to uh, at least watch in full and really kind of analyze at least one game per week. Obviously talk around both games, but maybe do a bit more of a, like a, a deep dive like I've been doing on the Super Rugby Aotearoa games. I'm going to look to do that on basically a game that I think is basically game of the round, if you know what I mean. Um, so for example, I mean, if we have a look at the fixtures for next week, which for Super Rugby AU would be around eight just going to see if I can bring that up quickly and see what the uh, what the two games will be. Might as well have a quick look there. So it's going to be the Force uh, nominally, or the Force at home to the Reds. But again, I don't believe that they're going to be playing that uh, in Perth. It'll be you know, somewhere uh, on the East Coast, the Australian East Coast. Uh, and then it will be the Brumbies at home to the Waratahs on the Saturday. So yeah, you know, for me personally... I think I'll definitely be, uh, you know, deep diving and watching in full that uh, Brumbies v Waratahs match. That should be an absolute belter, uh, just with the form that the Waratahs are in, and then obviously, you know, the Brumbies wanting to make some kind of response after having, you know, sit, having to sit out the competition and lose for the last two weeks. So yeah, you know, Brumbies at home to the Waratahs. That should be a fantastic game uh, in round eight next weekend. So yeah, I will definitely deep dive that one. But uh, now on to a little bit of a theoretical to finish off, which is just my two cents worth, um, you know, for Super Rugby uh, 2021. You know, what, what should we be doing or, you know, what, what should be agreed, I guess, between, essentially between the two unions, like the Australian and New Zealand Rugby Unions. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just going to go through and deliver it. Um, hopefully it makes sense. It probably will make more sense if you, uh, if you can read it, if you can read what I'm going to uh, suggest. Uh, and I think I'll probably put um, like a written comment on my Facebook page. So, you know, if you want to find the Rugby Gods podcast uh, at Facebook, there should be a Facebook page there. Um, that's mine. Give it a like uh, and you should be able to, uh, well, even if you don't give it a like, I think you can have a look anyway. I'm pretty sure it's a public open uh, group or open page. Uh, but, you know, give it a like. That'd be awesome for me. Uh, and, you know, see if you can find a comment that's sort of talking about uh, Super Rugby 2020, oh, sorry, Super Rugby 2021, uh, basically the future of the competition next year. So, yeah, this, this is how I'm going to say it, or I'm just going to deliver it. Hopefully it makes sense uh, as you listen. So what I'd like to see is, you know, the two conferences remain. So I'd like to see, you know, Super Rugby Aotearoa remain. I'd like to see Super Rugby AU remain. So what I'd like for for that for for what I'd like to see happen is you know five rounds four games one bye, so basically the first five weeks uh, five rounds, every team plays the other team the other you know the other four teams once and has a bye right that's all pretty self-explanatory. Uh, then I'd like to see the competition go into what I'm calling crossover or essentially it's going to be interconference right. So what I'd like to do there, or what I'd like to see there, is um, five weeks of crossover competition. So if you're a New Zealand team, 
you play the five Australian teams. If you're an Australian team, you play the five New Zealand teams. So it's just crossover play, right? Um, you just play five rounds, five weekends, you know, the five other teams, the five cross-conference teams. Uh, and basically the sixth weekend of that would be a bye for eight teams, or essentially it's a, a week that those eight teams would sit out. And basically the top New Zealand team, based on its five, five games against Australian teams, would play the top Australian team based on its five performances or its five games against New Zealand teams. So, for example, you know, like, um, just thinking about this year, um, if we use the example of, say, we'll just say that the, you know, the Crusaders, uh, you know, through five rounds, four games, five rounds, were, you know, top dog New Zealand. Say, basically, Super Rugby Aotearoa had taken a break for, you know, six rounds or six weekends. Uh, the Crusaders, you know, went and played the five other Australian teams. Perhaps they won five games. Uh, you know, the, uh, and in reverse, you know, Super Rugby AU, uh, you know, the Brumbies are top dog through five rounds, four wins and a bye. Um, you know, they take on, you know, the, the New Zealand teams. They have at least three, maybe four wins. Lose to the Crusaders, possibly lose to the Blues and or Hurricanes. But they're basically the best performing Australian team. So what would happen there is, you know, the, the New Zealand teams, the Australian teams would all play each other. Um, you know, in terms of like a New Zealand team would play the other five Australian teams. An Australian team would play the, uh, the other five New Zealand teams. You get to the end of that, perhaps the best performing New Zealand team is the Crusaders. The best performing Australian team is the Brumbies. And those two have a, a basically a round six or a sixth weekend where the other eight teams basically sit out or have a bye. And basically it's one New Zealand versus one Australia for just like a small little competition cup, if you know what I mean. So, you know, that would take uh, five weeks or five, you know, five rounds to, to play everybody else uh, cross-conference. And then you'd need a sixth week for like a final between best performing uh, New Zealand and best performing Australian team from those, you know, five previous rounds. Uh, you know, once you've gotten that out of the way, essentially just like a small little mini cup, uh, you know, mid-competition, you would go back to the second part of the double round. So, you know, all teams would return to their conference and play another, like, five rounds, four games and a bye, you know, to finish out, you know, Super Rugby Aotearoa and Super Rugby AU. Uh, so, you know, that's going to take, you know, five weeks to do the first part of the double round, uh, conference double round. It's going to take five to six weeks to do the interconference section plus a final. And then it's going to take another five weeks to finish the second part of the uh, you know conference double round. So that's going to give you you know 15, 16 weeks of uh, competition right there. Uh, then I think you would want to finish the competition with finals. So the easiest way to do that would just be to have semi-finals and a final, I believe. You know you're already you're already drawing from five teams in New Zealand and five teams in Australia. So I don't think it should really be any expansion on basically semi-finals and a final. Uh, you know, how would that work? Well, obviously, one New Zealand would play two Australia. You know, one Australia would play two New Zealand. So, for example, if you just look at the standings as of now, as of the end of Super Rugby Aotearoa, uh, and as of, you know, seven rounds of Super Rugby AU, uh, you know, Crusaders, uh, you know, Super Rugby Aotearoa, say, minor premiers. So that could be another little title that you get inside of the competition. So they would be Super Rugby Aotearoa minor premiers or, you know, Super Rugby Aotearoa champions. And they would play number two uh, in Super Rugby AU, which at present would be the Reds. Um, you know, the Blues would be second place or runner-up um, in Super Rugby Aotearoa uh, with the Hurricanes losing that final match. Could have made a bit of a difference as to their motivation, right? But anyways, uh, you know, everything going the way it has. Uh, you know, the Blues would be in second place runner-up. And they would play, you know, Super Rugby AU uh, top dog, which would be the Brumbies. So you would have the Crusaders at home to the Reds. You'd have the Brumbies at home to the uh, to the Blues. Yeah, so that'd be your semi-finals, you know, as of you know what we have at the moment uh, in terms of standings. Um, as I say this, and then obviously you know you get your two winners, and I think you just have a final at a neutral venue or like a predetermined venue. So, you know, one year it's in Australia, uh, the second year it's in New Zealand, 
you know, it just, it just alternates between the two countries and you have a predetermined neutral venue. So I think from the New Zealand side of things, you'd pretty much always play that game at Eden Park. Um, on the Australian side of things, you know, maybe you could farm it around a little bit more. But I guess for, you know, just for ease of use, I would say perhaps at, at present, uh, you know, Brisbane um, and Suncorp Stadium would be a pretty good place to host, um, you know, every second year uh, a Super Rugby final. Uh, and then obviously Eden Park every alternative year in Auckland. Uh, you know, reasons for that would be, you know, southeast Queensland if you take in Brisbane, but also, you know, the Sunshine Coast, the Gold Coast has a huge, you know, like contingent of New Zealanders living there. Um, it also has, uh, you know, like history or like it has good historical rugby history in and around Brisbane. And then there's also just, you know, very accepting, very open, uh, very knowledgeable rugby, rugby league public in southeast Queensland as well. So it's, for me, it seems like you could, even with the Reds, say, not playing, you could still certainly get a full house or something very close to a full house for the final if it involved, you know, an Australian team and a New Zealand team or even just two New Zealand teams. I think, you know, you could still get a very good, you know, finals crowd uh, at Suncorp Stadium, you know, and it's a stadium of about 50,000. So, you know, it's a good place to have the showpiece final. Uh, you know, and then in reverse, I don't think, you know, Auckland needs too much introduction or explanation, but essentially, you know, even if the Blues weren't playing, I think, you know, uh, for a New Zealand venue, you know, Auckland's got close to 2 million or it's certainly approaching 2 million people. It's got a big, you know, internal diaspora of, you know, New Zealanders inside of Auckland, uh, and it's very easy to travel from, say, Dunedin, Christchurch, Wellington, and even just drive up uh, from Hamilton uh, to get to Eden Park. So, you know, I think home fans inside of New Zealand could quite easily travel, you know, especially with, a, you know, a predetermined venue every second year uh, to Eden Park. And even Australians could, you know, get across the ditch, get across the Tasman to Auckland pretty easily from the East Coast. So I think, you know, that would be the best way of, of doing things. Basically, you know, uh, Super Rugby Aotearoa champion gets to play a semi-final at home against Australia number two and then Super Rugby AU champion gets to play uh, a home semi-final against you know New Zealand number two and then the two winners it's a neutral final every second year Australia every second year New Zealand probably in Brisbane at Suncorp and probably at Auckland Eden Park so yeah you know like if, if you had that pretty much it's an 18 round it would be an 18 round comp you know, you would need, you know, 10 rounds to get Super Rugby Aotearoa, Super Rugby AU done. You'd need another five to six rounds or weeks to get uh, the crossover or the cross-conference games done. That's, you know, playing the five Australian teams if you're in New Zealand or playing the five New Zealand if you're an Australian, plus maybe one extra week of finals or one extra weekend or round of, of a final. Basically, best Australian performer best New Zealand performer, they just have a little mini, like a little mini final uh, inside of the competition. Um, and then obviously, yeah, you'd need another two weeks of finals uh, at the end of Super Rugby Aotearoa and Super Rugby AU uh, just to actually get an overall champion. So, you know, that's pretty much giving you, you know, an 18 week or 18 weekends or 18 rounds, 18 weekends, I guess. Um, and generally speaking, teams would be playing 13 to 14 games, maybe up to a maximum of 16 games uh, if they're involved in everything. Uh, and another good thing is it gives you perhaps three things to chase inside of a competition. So for example, um, you can obviously be the Super Rugby Aotearoa champion, as the Crusaders are. Uh, you can be the Super Rugby AU champion, as we'll find out soon. Um, but you could also be like that crossover champion in terms of like best-performing New Zealand team mid-season gets to play best-performing Australian team. There could be a little mini-cup for that. And then, obviously, you could get an overall Super Rugby champion once you start playing semi-finals and finals uh, at the end of Super Rugby Aotearoa and Super Rugby AU. So, you know, that would give a team like the Crusaders and or the Brumbies, etc., uh, the chance to chase, you know, three pieces of silverware, if you know what I mean. Um, so, yeah, I think that would be... A fairly exciting or fairly useful, um, you know, uh, thing for uh, Rugby Australia and uh, New Zealand Rugby to consider. 
that way you get to keep the five New Zealand teams, you get to keep the five Australian teams, uh, and most of the competition is just played internally or like as domestic conferences, but you do get a little bit of crossover, but uh, you know, it's not a lot of travel, uh, and it's not a lot of exposure for say some of the poorer performing Australian teams versus maybe some of the better performing uh, New Zealand teams. It's just a very small section of like you know the total of the total competition. And you know I think at the at the end of say Super Rugby AU, uh, the top two teams that come out of that, be it like say the Brumbies and Waratahs or the Brumbies and Reds or even the Brumbies and Rebels, I think those top two teams in Super Rugby AU are definitely good enough to be competitive um, against, say, the top two teams from Super Rugby Aotearoa, especially, you know, whoever tops Super Rugby AU and they would potentially get a home semi-final. I think they would go very well um, against whoever was, you know, backup number two New Zealand team. I, you know, just at the moment, I think the Brumbies would go very well at home in Canberra against the Blues. I don't think that's going to be like a boil over or like a foregone conclusion. So I think that keeps a lot of integrity into the competition, even kind of creates two competitions or even three competitions inside of, you know, Super Rugby. Um, yeah, and then I, I think the idea of having a neutral final venue, just so that it's sort of a destination for, like, rugby supporters. You know, you could book a ticket, you know, months in advance or even a year in advance to go to, say, Suncorp Stadium, go to Brisbane and, you know, watch whoever plays on that weekend, you know. Alternatively, you could do the same thing, book a, book a trip to Auckland and, you know, watch whoever's playing at Eden Park, you know, as part of, like, a, a long weekend. So it could be a little bit of, like, a, a destination rugby kind of event uh, for, you know, for supporters. So, yeah, just to recap that one more time, it was a little bit of a ramble, but I'm going to sign off, sign out now. Uh, basically, Super Rugby 21 or Super Rugby 2021, what would I like to see? I'd like to see Super Rugby Aotearoa and Super Rugby AU retained. I'd like to see like five rounds, four games and a bye, played inside of Australia, inside of New Zealand. I'd like to see a crossover competition of five to six weeks where, the, where an Australian team plays the five New Zealand teams, where a New Zealand team plays the five Australian teams. You basically get best performing Australian team, best performing New Zealand team, they basically have a final, like a little, uh, you know, crossover final, if you will, uh, and you get a champion there. You get a little like mid-season, mid-season champion there. You then come back and play the second part of the conference double round. So that's another five rounds, four games, and a bye uh, to get your Super Rugby Aotearoa champion, get your Super Rugby AU champion, uh, and then you know the Super Rugby champions plus runners up. So Super Rugby Aotearoa one and two play Super Rugby AU 1 and 2 in semis and a final to get an overall Super Rugby champion for both you know Australia and New Zealand. So yeah, let me know uh, what you think of that. If you've listened to it, hopefully you know that's thoughtful or enjoyable or interesting to you. And uh, yeah, feel free to give me a comment in any way, shape or form, as long as it's constructive, um, about you know my thinking there or like that sort of tournament thinking. But yeah, going to pretty much uh, peace out there, sign off. Uh, thanks for listening, uh, if you did, and yeah, I just hope you're safe, I hope that you're well, I hope life is going well for you, stay positive, uh, it's been pretty good Super Rugby Aotearoa, hopefully the uh, final sort of like three to five weeks of Super Rugby AU will also be really enjoyable, uh, and of course there's an upcoming or rapidly approaching uh, North Island, South Island, North South game to be played in New Zealand as well, which should be you know really interesting I think. Uh, for most rugby supporters, it's going to be a high quality match. Yeah, and then, you know, uh, and basically in a, in a month from now, sort of like mid-September, maybe three weeks from now, I guess, um, or less than a month, uh, we'll be back, or like, you know, New Zealand rugby will be back with uh, the Mitre 10 Cup, which will be, you know, pretty interesting as well, and definitely something that I continue to, you know, like follow and sort of, uh, you know, comment around and deep dive into. Uh, as we get closer or like you know as that competition begins in September all the way through till the end of November I think this year so yeah pretty interesting so yeah things to do um, I am sort of on YouTube but the the channel is kind of mothballed I haven't done anything there for a, about three or four weeks now and I won't really be doing too much more in the future and I might even be deleting videos from there or like uh, 
maybe I will keep them as sort of like privately listed videos. So if you have the link, uh, you can see them, but I don't think they'll be searchable. I might just leave a, you know, maybe, you know, 10 to 15 sort of more timeless, um, you know, sort of like uh, blue sky idea, big thought idea uh, kind of podcast there. Maybe occasionally, you know, do a video of, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes length there, but I'm not going to do too much. But there is a, a YouTube video or like what you say, a YouTube channel there at the moment where I've got about 50, 55 videos and, you know, you can search for it, The Rugby Gods Podcast, should bring it up. Uh, what I am using a lot though is um, Facebook. So I've got a Facebook, uh, what would you say, a, a Facebook page basically, right, uh, for The Rugby Gods. So that is at The Rugby Gods Podcast. You should be able to find a Facebook page. That's mine. If you can give it a like, that'd be awesome. Uh, and obviously, you know, I'm doing these podcasts now through Anchor uh, as audio podcasts. So, you know, if you can subscribe in any way, shape or form there, uh, that'd be awesome. I'm not exactly sure how you do that. Uh, and it's available, or the, this podcast is now available on about seven or eight different platforms, uh, including Spotify, which, you know, I recommend as a good app or like as a good website to uh, listen on that's generally what I do if I go back and listen to these. So yeah, um, thanks a lot for that. Um, stay safe, be well. I'll see you soon. Kaki te Bye-bye.